Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thanks for checking out this show on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, talking about your Cleveland Browns and their opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, which we'll get to in just a second, usually what we do here continuing to do so, checking out the injury report as we head into this game early in the week. Now, Jadevian Clowney is limited. Let's go through the limited practice participants. Jadevian Clowney with a neck, wrist, and knee designation, still hitting the three-peat there, still limited. Uh, Troy Hill, which is great to see in a limited capacity uh, with the neck injury, and A.J. Green as well back full practicing with the concussion. Good to see those two things. A knee designation um, for uh, J.C. Treader, keeping him limited. Sione Takitaki, a shoulder designation. Baker Mayfield did not practice as he had the left shoulder, foot, and now a groin issue that has come up out of nowhere. Others who have come up uh, on the injured list as DMPs, Donovan Peoples-Jones with a groin issue, continuing to be a problem for him. Hopefully he can see that rectified late in the week, and he can play Anthony Schwartz, still dealing with his own concussion, did not practice. Jarvis Landry with a knee, Malik Jackson with a knee designation, also did not practice. And Tony Fields, once again with an illness that seems to be a weirdly common thread for him. On the Ravens side, Anthony Avert, they're one of their stronger corners with a thigh, designation did not practice in this one um as far as other dmps calais campbell dealing with a concussion didn't practice um others that matter patrick ricard dmp jimmy smith with a neck issue one of their corners chris westry with a thigh all dmps and then Tavon young with a foot knee designation didn't practice as well brandon williams with a shoulder was limited devin duvernay one of their wide receivers with a knee chest issue limited and then um malcolm brown or hollywood brown with a thigh designation, he was limited in this one as well. And then Josh Bynes, with a, it was a linebacker for them, an inside backer was limited. So two beat-up teams, as we know. We'll keep an eye on that. Obviously for the Ravens, Averett, Calais Campbell, uh, Westry and Jimmy Smith as DMPs, Tavon Young, those are guys worth monitoring because they're important parts of that defense. Otherwise, not a ton of news around Berea. The big thing that came out was Kareem Hunt and Jack Conklin come off the IR you know, Kareem Hunt also saying he's definitely thinking he's going to play. Looks like he was moving well in videos. It's important to note that just because they come off the IR does not mean that they are activated officially. You have three weeks to get that designation. So uh, Conklin coming off his dislocated elbow and then the strained calf for Hunt might not be this weekend, but they also have the bye week just around the corner too. So that helps. Kevin Stefanski said, I wasn't thinking it'd be a week where injuries like this, like it was. And we're not surprised, though, when you get, you talk about Jack, type of player he is, you know, how tough he is coming back. So that's always great to see Jack Conklin maybe being able to relieve Blake Hans at the right tackle spot. So uh, good to hear about both of those guys. We'll keep a close eye throughout the week if they actually end up coming off the list officially or not. Looks like Lamar Jackson obviously seems ready to go. Said he's 120% ready after a strange illness he dealt with, um, which was... Uh, something that kept him out of the game this past weekend. They still found a way to win without him, but uh, you know, not even showing up on the injured list is a good good sign for him. So that's all around Berea. That's all the news and updates we have for now. 
Um, we will keep a close eye throughout the week and keep you updated. And uh, our guest today, who I'm really excited to bring on, I always do this with Ken. I had him on before the season in the AFC study, uh, AFC North study. He's really, really good at this stuff, does the same sort of angle that I do. He's at Film Study Ravens. If you're looking for a really balanced, um, non-fanboyish way of looking at things, sometimes these folks who do this stuff can get a little too invested in their team um, and not view it through a neutral um, scope. I think he does a great job. Ken is a guy I look up to with this stuff. I try to mold a lot of what I do after what he does. A ton of respect for him. Um, so Kimmy Cusick at Film Study Ravens. You can find his stuff, filmstudybaltimore.com. So check him out, give him a follow, and let's get over to our interview and get everything we can possibly get and learn about the Baltimore Ravens ahead of this huge Sunday night matchup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Really, really excited to get to Baltimore. I think it's been an interesting time for the Browns because they have still yet to hit their bye week. And when the Browns look at their schedule, I was like, okay, I got to get Ken on the pod, got to get him in here, but it's going to be a really like back-to-back thing. The Browns got this weird quirk where they go Ravens by Ravens. So I really wanted to get Ken McCusick in to talk to him about where the Ravens are. It's been an interesting season. Pumped to talk to you, Ken. How are you? Hey, great to be, be on with you, Jake. Thanks for having me. Of course. Let's, let's dig in quick, man. Talk to me about the state of the Ravens. It has been I think you could attest, and maybe I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but it's been a roller coaster of emotions between injuries and close games and wild finishes. Just give me your state of the Ravens as they head into this uh, important AFC North game. Yeah, they, they're seven and three. They don't really have any reason you'd expect them to be doing that well because of injuries, because of the nature of the games they played. They've barely outscored their opponents uh, on the year, but Lamar Jackson has turned into one of the most electrifying comeback quarterbacks. And, you know, he's even out a week and, and Huntley, you know, buries the river card you know, <laughs> for them this uh, on the last drive of the game uh, against the bears. So uh, it's been exciting and, and uh, been a lot of fun football. And, you know, we're basically all talking to each other as analysts in, in Baltimore and saying, you know, we, we can't take any more of these, you know, heart stopping games. So a lot of fun to watch though, honestly. 
Well, I think we might be in the in the path here to run into another one. The way the way Cleveland just kind of hovers around here. I'm not sure Cleveland's quite good enough to be able to handle this one, but should be interesting. I, I want to ask r- real quick with Lamar. You know, I think it's pretty obvious to see he's in the MVP hunt again. He's he's as good in this offense as anybody is at any position in the NFL. Is the is the feeling? This is just a generic question, but the feeling is he's going to get paid. What is he going to set the market at the end of the year? I think like that's the thing that's interesting to me is we know, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. He's clearly not going the ordinary path with the agent process. So it's like right. I do, I do wonder, is it literally given whatever he wants? Stage is that is that where you guys are? Because he's that gifted. I mean, it's it's special stuff. He's I, I you know not going with an agent is probably a good thing, although an agent can help mitigate some of the the natural frictions that occur in these in these uh, conversations i think he'll be paid at the top of the market meaning 45 million a year probably uh, a little bit more than what josh allen which i which i consider to be the low end mm-hmm. of what could happen i think that whatever jackson signs for uh mayfield is going to probably want something similar we'll see if if the browns are really willing to do that i know that's a big question right now is have they signed the other position players that already tell you they're moving on from mayfield well, that's the that's the thing to me. I'll, I'll throw this to you, Ken, because I thought it was interesting. I heard it earlier in the year where this rash of injuries, although obviously not expected, never what you would want to happen, has given Baltimore a little bit of a glimpse of what signing Lamar is like when you have to let some talented players perhaps go. Is that are you comfortable with that number? Like, I know it's hard to always swallow that giant number in a cap situation, but the general consensus, consensus is, is like, like, like like Lamar can handle that. He he'll be able to uplift everything if they have to, you know, fit some cheaper pieces around him. Yeah. They'll enter a, a, a period for as long as Lamar is still under contract then uh, under that, uh, under these new terms where they have to basically turn over the personnel. The Ravens have been amazingly good at that over the years. They, they let guys walk, even good players. Uh, and they've consistently had that happen. And I always tell people that's the better position to be in. You mm-hmm. want to be in a position where you have choices about which great players you want to keep around, uh, you know, your young players and and some heartbreak that goes with losing some of those players you drafted and they're homegrown. And if you look at the 2018 draft, the guys who drafted around Lamar, they've made the decision on most of them already. They already traded Orlando Brown. They traded James Hurst early on. So, you know, traded a couple of good players uh, to get a second and a, really two second round picks back in, in that process. They uh, uh, are going to let some guys go in free agency, but Elliott is coming up on a contract. He'll be in some demand, I think, although the Ravens may get him back. Bradley Bozeman will be in some demand uh, across the NFL as a, as a very serviceable, you know, not the best center in the league, but, you know, in the top 15 or so centers in the league. Um, and then you have, uh, um, who am I forgetting? Uh, Averett, Anthony Averett, a cornerback mm-hmm. who may, you know, really challenge uh, towards the top of the cornerback money. He might make $10 million a year, in fact. So I think that the, the Ravens are going to deal with this and they're going to allow some good players again to walk. And it's their natural uh, way of doing it to accumulate comp picks, to make more good picks in the future. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope they're able to continue at some point. They're going to start making some bad picks and it's not going to work out anymore. I don't know when I we've been asking when that's going to happen. They don't seem to want to do that. So, you know, you, like you said, it's a, it's a lot of faith in those guys to get it right. And they've done, they've done so well back to Lamar real quick before we kind of go, well, we'll do this. We're going position by position. How's his year looked? He, I know he's had these comeback games and that's been great, but how is the, has the passing game progressed the way you guys would like to see general accuracy? What does it all look like in the performances? 
Yeah, I think I think he's looked good. He's thrown a few too many interceptable balls. But the, the big thing about Lamar is that he's not lifting up the offense around him as much as he has in past years. And the issue with that is Lamar was a player in 19 who was making literally everybody on the on the offense better. But also you could even claim some people on the defense better because he was really controlling snap count and doing those things right. Now the Ravens don't have any um, quality running backs. And so other teams have... Uh, taken the approach of basically saying, we dare you to run the ball with your running back specifically. We'll key on Lamar and we'll, we'll try and take care of your receivers, but our, our inside linebackers, they're going to, they're going to stop taking too many read steps. They're going to stop getting themselves out of position. They're going to play very gap centric football and they're going to, and they're going to, they're going to do the things necessary to maybe give you a couple of the guards, but the Ravens running backs have been very bad at meeting their rush yard expectations on a per play basis. They're both, like about half a yard for Freeman, I believe, and over a yard for Latavius Murray last I checked mm-hmm. in terms of, of not being where they need to be. Well, let's talk about those running backs. You know, obviously Jake losing JK and um, who else did you guys lose? Right. Gus before season? Yeah. Gus Edwards, who's a fantastic gap runner. Um, yeah. I mean, Devonte Freeman, Latavius Murray, you, you've tried some different things. They're, they're, okay serviceable how would you label the play this year from those fellows uh old old i mean that's the, that's the main that's the main description you don't want yeah. to acquire old running backs and Le'Veon bell was here for a while and you know they, they thought they could get something out of some of these guys but the, the thing that has really killed the ravens they've been very good at identifying good first year backs and rookie backs that are on other teams practice squad meaning guys that that were only on the practice squad the previous year and guys that were, you know, you, you know what I mean when I say first-year mm-hmm. rookie. I don't have to explain that to your listeners. But but anyway, they've been really good at, at, at picking up with those guys. This year, there were many fewer of those because the COVID year basically shortcut the draft process. And then a lot of guys didn't come out on schedule. And I think next year's draft is going to be terrific because of it. There's going to be yeah. lots of talent available. But but the Ravens didn't have a lot of opportunities to scavenge the discard pile from a lot of other teams and, and find guys who were who were good. So that's where they ended up with these a- aged backs, and and it has really hurt them. I mean, they've they've been uh, not able to run the Ravens' offense the same way. Well, the wide receiver group, I think, is at least again. I'm always talking from a guy who's outside looking in. It seems like some steps have been taken in the right direction by Marquise Brown. It does. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but there are names. Sammy Watkins, I love Rashad Bateman. Seems like he's come on since he's come back. Been making some nice efforts. Talk about the wide receivers. Who's getting a bulk of the time? And a little bit of like, who's the future of that position for them? Yeah, the future is certainly Bateman. Brown may get a big contract. He may not. It'll be interesting to see whether they can keep him because, you know, obviously a childhood friend of Jackson and somebody they'd they'd probably like to keep around in an ideal world. Mm -hmm. Bateman looks like the real deal. I mean, he gets to the top of the route tree. He can stick his foot in the ground. He has a lot of wiggle in terms of where he's headed. Uh, Has good hands. I wouldn't say great hands. He had a little bit of drop issue in in college, and we saw that come up with an interception in his first game. Uh, was injured at the start of the season. He's, he's played very well. He's been one of the primary guys that, that Lamar is looking for. And Huntley in this last game that they won uh, was looking for since then. So it, it's been very positive these last few games to have Bateman in there and, and being the primary target. Uh, Brown, good year. Um, I'll go to the tight ends real quick because I think we can shortcut this a little bit. Yeah. Andrews uh, you know, certainly splits out wide a lot and has looked good. He's played more in line this year because they have such weak tackles right now, which is the, the Ravens' real problem. They're trying to chip uh, and set block on the edge a lot, and, and that you know, they've, they've really had to do. I think that'll be a big factor in this game Sunday night is exactly how they handle Garrett and, uh, and Clowney, which are you know, obviously 
to me, the two scariest weapons on the Browns defense. It will be. It will be. And it's with Cleveland. The issue is along the interior right now, their defensive tackle group, Malik Jackson and, you know, Jordan Elliott and, and Malik McDowell's made some nice strides, but that's the group that worries me. I know Baltimore leads mm-hmm. the NFL in gap run percentage, not a secret. It's how they love to handle things. Talk about the offensive line. I know you've, you, at least when we talked in before the season, had some promising interior options. I don't know what the tackle situation looks like due to injury. So maybe you can enlighten us on that as well. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, it's almost a tale of two things. So I score offensive line play on a week to week basis and I score every block and, and do that. So the interior offensive line play been quite good for the Ravens this year. It's a lot of people will tell you, Oh, they're terrible. They suck. It's really not true. Kevin Zeitler has played very well at, at right guard. He's been the glue that holds the line together. At center, Bradley Bozeman has played well. He's coming up on a contract year. The, the problem with Bozeman has been snap accuracy. And in, in particular, snap velocity has hmm. been down. And if I, I want to do a study on this, you know, using some good centers for juxtaposition here. But he throws this 12 to 6 curveball snap that Lamar Jackson is going down to catch it low, but it's also taking forever to get there. And you, know, you can you can a lot of people maybe don't know this, but you can record on your DVR and and time things accurate to three one hundredths of a second if you just use the the pause and fast forward keys. Mm-hmm. So it's, there is the opportunity to, to look at this. It's been a real problem for Bozeman is that the snaps are just not coming in on time. And so the Miami game where they were playing cover zero all the time, snap was low. Jackson's eyes are off downfield. I mean, you can't make your hot reads as easily. Snap is late, you know, just multiple reasons of layers of suck. <laughs> so uh, at left guard, they, they, They've had Ben Powers there pretty much the whole year. Uh, Tyree Phillips got hurt in the very first game. He was supposed to be their backup tackle option. Uh, they went to Powers. Powers has honestly played really well. He, he hasn't had a, a truly terrible game uh, as I score it, but uh, he's not as exciting as an earth mover as Ben Cleveland is. Ben Cleveland, huge human being. He was splitting time with, um, uh, with Powers for a while, and then he got hurt. And so he's going to come back, we think, this week. He's actually active last week but we think he was kind of like an inactive active. If you look at the Ravens injury report, or sorry, they're inactives. Every single one of those guys is inactive and hurt. And Mm. if you don't have at least one healthy scratch on your inactive list, you don't know who on your active roster is actually not able to play. That's interesting. That's interesting. When they, when they like to move, let me put it this way, this kind of framework question. What does this group do really well? Is it limited to the gap run stuff? Is the pass protection been a major issue? I know you talked about chipping, Cleveland's familiar with that, what they've had their beat up tackle play too. I'm just kind of curious when Baltimore is moving the ball effectively, what is working well for them? Uh, so I think using, using faster tempo to slow down the opposition pass rush has been good. And, and the chip blocking under those circumstances has been quite good. Uh, I think other teams basically that have rushed four and not blitzed have been doing the Ravens a big favor. They've had a lot of trouble dealing with the blitz uh, in, in a lot of these games. The Miami lost is incredible use of simulated pressure. One of the most absurd things I've ever seen. It was eight zero. I'm oh, sorry. Let me be clear. Uh, cover zero with eight guys at the line of scrimmage yeah. on a lot of plays, but there, it wasn't eight men rushing. It was usually six men rushing and they would, they would drop two or even three, four on one play from the line of scrimmage. Adam Butler, a nose tackle dropped to cover 18 times in one game, 18 times in one game. I, I, I can only say Wink Martindale would do that in an entire season, 18 <laughs> times, have an interior defensive lineman drop to cover. Uh, and then they brought just, a safety a remarkable number of times yeah. too, right? Oh yeah. 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 So, so the, but basically the, the Ravens, Ravens are always in a situation where they were overloaded on one side and they had guys in the middle of the line with no one to block. 
because mm. they dropped uh, you know, to cover. So bad situation, obviously not one they want to repeat. I do want to go back to the tackle situation for a moment. And I apologize for fast talking you here, but I want right. to make sure we don't miss that. Uh, we got, we got uh, Villanueva has played um, poorly at, at left tackle. I'm sure he's going to be a one-year guy on a two-year deal right now. Um, the one thing that is kind of been good is that he gives up a lot of pressure by bull rush that Jackson's been able to deal with. So if he mirrors the opponent well, Jackson gets bumped better than any quarterback you'll ever see. And he, and he moves out of a bump extremely well. But if, he, if the other guy, you know, if, if, if he gets beat to the outside, that's when it really gets dangerous and, and you don't want to see that. Um, and, and when we look back to week one, the one game where they were getting pressure from both sides consistently with Crosby and, uh, and Gakway, uh, the Raiders really gave Jackson fits in that game in terms of, of being able to deal with that pressure. But generally, if it's coming from, from only the blind side, Jackson does very well with being pulled, uh, bull rush pressure from that left tackle. It'll be interesting with Cleveland because so many times in the history of, of this 2018 on Lamar arrival has been his ability to continually break quarterback contain and Cleveland has had no answer for it because miles can do some of those things uh, where he does bull rush or he miles is pretty strong at either turning the corner quickly, or he's going to bull rush someone in your lap, which gets predictable, which is not the end of the world for quarterbacks yet sucks to have pressure on you at any point. Nobody wants that. But if you welcome the idea of, I know this is what the chiefs did that Patrick Mahomes did to, to manipulate it. They, they knew how Cleveland was going to rush them used it to their advantage. I do think a lot of that issue has been with Cleveland is not having a plan for containing Lamar. And it has been a problem over the years. I don't know if they'll have a plan to fix it. I will tell you that the Browns defensive structure, as you maybe know from the outside looking in is the antithesis of what Miami, New England, those types like to do. They do not prefer to run man. They do not prefer to blitz. They prefer to play it safe. And it is a huge cause of concern for me because that approach is one that has now been proven to give Baltimore a fit. I expect them to obviously have a better plan for it. You can't have that game on national television and not know, hey, guys, teams are going to be doing a little bit of this the rest of the way, if not a lot of it. So they'll have a plan. I just uh, the, the mystery for me will be if Joe Woods, Brown's defensive coordinator, thinks he can show up and do the exact same things they always do and get away with it because I have a bad feeling about it because I do think you can, the teams like New England who put 45 on them, the teams like uh, right. the Chargers who put 42 on them, definitely knew the tendencies of how these guys are being coached, what their rules are based on formation, alignment, et cetera, and have taken advantage of manipulation. So how they play Baltimore is going to be fascinating to me. I know we'll talk on your pod about this too, but like that is the most interesting thing to me is Joe Woods willing to bend on everything he believes in, because if you don't and you give Lamar predictability, he's going to eat you alive. So we'll switch talk defense. I think, you know, losing Marcus Peters is obviously a problem. You know, yep. what they love to do, correct me if I'm wrong, is just a lot of seeing Baltimore over the years. We're going to simulate pressure. We're going to get in your face. We're going to walk guys down the line of scrimmage. We're going to play a ton of man. Still a top 10 blitz team. Maybe not as blitz heavy as they have been, but still going to mm-hmm. play a high number of man snaps. SIS gives them the third highest usage percentage of man coverage snaps. Are they still doing that? I've noticed some, some metrics about some big games that have been allowed in the passing game. Just general defensive thoughts this far into the season. Yeah, they've, they've had some, some breakdowns on the back end in, uh, and, and they're basically coming from one of three guys who, who are doing them. Stevens, the, the new free safety, uh, who is in for Elliott now and, and Elliott's done for the year. Uh, Stevens is a guy they drafted in the, in the third round. I think he was a little bit of a, a reach, frankly, at that point, I, the Ravens, I think could have had him in round five, but maybe they 
maybe they figured out he could be had. He, he might have been had. Um, he, he was a, he's a guy I think they want to be their free safety of the future. What he is right now is more of a strong safety, a slot coverage of a tight end guy. I mean, that's the role I really trust him on. I don't, I don't like him to play the back end, play his, play his incidents and whatnot. I think he makes too many mistakes. They walked him up into the front of cover three some, uh, which that's fine. He can, he can do a short area zone. That's, that's not a problem. Don't know if you know where he came from, but at SMU, he played three different positions there. Uh, and he would play them all during the same game, oftentimes on the same drive or the same series of downs. He wow. would be switching among positions. It's the most odd thing. You mm-hmm. try to scout the guy and you have to look for his shoes because it's the only <laughs> thing. The numbers, jerseys are unreadable. Yeah. And you, and you have yeah. to actually look for these bright red shoes. So it's, uh, he's, I, I think he's got you know the potential to be good. But Geno Stone right now, who is a darling of PFF last year out of Iowa, has better back-end instincts. And, and I, I would like to see them move to – um, you know, more usage of him, maybe early, you know, on early downs uh, where they, they want a back end guy. Um, he's an ideal split safety for a cover two look on the back end that, that he gives you a guy who brackets well and not only brackets well in the sense that he'll be right there jamming the receiver. That's what Elliot did. He's really more of a wait for the overthrow um, uh, safety, which I really like. That's the Ed Reed type where you're looking for the interception play after play after play. And you're really trying to optimize your position. And stone is uh, stone's got more, much more of that than, than uh, the other Ravens safety. So Clark's I think has been pretty good, but, uh, but stone is the guy that I think they ought to put some, put some faith in. Well, let's continue to talk about the rest of that, that back half. I mean, it's you talked about Anthony Averett and Seems like he's having some strong play this year. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, I respect, is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And you can enlighten us on how his year is going. And then Tavon Young, I think, is the nickel. So, yeah, how's that group mm-hmm. playing collectively? I play pretty well. I, I I like the way Tavon has played. He's been around the football a lot. Uh, he's been healthy this year, which is a very important. I uh, had a little foot injury. That always worries you when it's not an ankle, it's a foot. He's out of the game. You don't know. You know You know what you're thinking, what, what name you're thinking at that point. Uh, it, it, uh, Averett has had one bad game. He had a really bad game against the Colts where they moved him inside on the field, meaning rather than having their left outside, he always plays right cornerback. So Mm -hmm. rather than have their, their, uh, X receiver out all the way on the, on the outside, the numbers, they really moved him more toward onto the numbers or even a little bit inside sometimes. And that gave him a lot of trouble figuring out wiggle at the top of the route. And so he was biting on a lot of fakes and he made some mistakes, very good boundary corner, good speed can stay with receiver. I mean, I like him and I think he's going to earn a lot of money, but, uh, but that was the one trouble he had. So if there's a Browns receiver could do that at Jarvis Landry or another player who, who's a really good route runner, that might be, uh, that might be a weakness there to take advantage. Uh, On the, on the other side, um, uh, Humphrey's been, been, good most games, but he had a trip to the bathroom against the Bengals and Jamar Chase. So he had a, a, a mm. really bad game there. Uh, and Chris Westry just got destroyed in this last game, but he played very well until then. He is one of the most physically gifted defensive backs in the entire league. He's 6'4", very long, gets to the hands very well after the catch, like Humphrey, really to dislodge the football. Uh, but but also he he has the speed and the makeup speed even uh, to make up for some small mistakes. But he's been making some big mistakes at the top of the route, and that really showed up on the Bears go ahead TD this last week. So uh, you know he's I I think he's a big part of the Ravens' future. Uh, whereas I I think it, he's the reason they probably let Averett walk at the end of this year is that they think Westry can take a take one of those uh, outside corner roles. 
It's interesting. That's Westry. I'm not sure is a, a name that many people outside of, you know, covering Baltimore would have a great idea of. I, I've known about his athletic background and profile. So I'm not surprised to hear you say any of those things. So um, good name to know. Let's talk off ball linebackers. I think it's uh, touching first on how Patrick Queens year two is going. And yep. then it's probably, I know the Malik Harrison situation was rough. So sort of how they're supplementing it will, or, or I'm not sure, maybe he's the was more of the mic and just kind of enlighten us on the off ball guys. Yeah, sure. Uh, so <laughs> it, I, I don't know how much history you want to go to, but I'll go real quickly. In 2019, the Ravens tried to go to um, Patrick Owasso and make mm-hmm. him their Mike linebacker coming out of a very effective three-player weak side linebacker platoon. And he, he provided a lot of things in that role. Uh, you know, they, they also had Mike, uh, Kenny Young, sorry, not I was going to say Mike Young, the ex-Oreo, but Kenny Young uh, was doing some things in terms of rushing the passer, good downhill play. And they also had then Anthony Levine was a terrific dime back in 2018. In fact, in the game against Cleveland, uh, particularly the 12 to nine loss in overtime, he played very well in that game week before he won the game against Pittsburgh with three fourth quarter drive ending plays. A lot of detail. But they tried to basically move Owasso to be the regular Mike linebacker. It failed miserably. By week four, and particularly after the Cleveland game with the 88-yard run by Chubb, they figured it out. And they said, okay, we can't have this anymore. We're, taking, we're moving him back to the will, and we're, we're signing Josh Bynes, and we're signing LJ Fort, and they gave them very large roles. But Bynes was really the two-down Mike linebacker that took over. Flash forward two years. The 2019 defense, amazing on-field um, uh, regeneration of that defense during the season from really bad at two and two to great the rest of the year. In fact, probably the NFL's best defense from week five on. Flash forward two years, they went out and they got Josh Bynes again <laughs> to save their bacon because the <laughs> Queen was playing so poorly at the Mike linebacker role, really looked lost. Coverage, not knowing where to get to in terms of the gap, just problem after problem, terrible tackler. Uh, so anyway, they moved him to Will. His play speed has really increased. Bynes, his comparative play speed, and I always say this, Bynes ran a 481.40 a decade ago. And he is much faster in terms of play speed than Queen uh, at the mic spot. And then Queen's play speed is improved because he keys off Bynes now. And he's the trail guy, of course, being being the Will, will player on a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that means he could key off that and really get to the get to the play quickly. So both, both positions have improved by the fact that they went to this ancient player again to, to, uh, uh, to put in at the mic spot. So that's actually been an improvement this season. That's good. That's good. I know the, the, the edge rush guys, I'm not sure if they call them rushes or sands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure of the lingo of the playbook in Baltimore, but I know Odafe Owe was drafted still Tyus Bowser's still there, you know, signed Justin Houston. How's the edge rush uh, group doing this year? All three of those are doing pretty well. Uh, Adafi Oli leads all rookies in pressures, I believe still. If he's not, it's very close. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, he's he's played very well. He's, he's had some very big plays, including the forced fumble that won the Kansas City game. Uh, so he's, he's, he's done some things. He's a nightmare for anybody on the at tackle who's got shorter arms. And he's been a guy who's been a magnet for uh, crossing the face, which he can do effectively with length. Mm-hmm. Um, crossing the face of a guard and drawing multiple blocks. In fact, he, there's a really big one earlier this year where he, he basically set up a sack by crossing uh, and drawing three lions onto him at one time. So he's, he's cartoonishly uh, quick on, on some of the run defense plays. So he's done some positive things uh, from that perspective. They don't start him. Uh, they mostly have been going with Houston on early downs. He's probably their best pure pass rusher. He's developed the most individual pressure events. Um, Bowser's been very effective at at uh, sacking the quarterback the last few weeks. He had 
effectively what are four sacks in this last game, two actual sacks, another one that was negated by a defensive holding and a fourth play where he sat, he took down fields for a gain of six on third and 11 forced to scramble from the pocket, chased him down, took him down and knocked him out of the ball game. So in my money, that's it for my money. That's a sack as well. So uh, sack plus six on that play. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then the interior too, it's Calais Campbell still there. We, you know, we talked about this now, you and I have been talking on various pods for a couple of years. Matabuke, we're a huge fan of his work. How's the interior group doing? His best defensive player at any position right now. Uh, he's, he's extraordinary. And, and the Ravens are so fortunate that he's still playing at a high level. Uh, don't even want to think about the possibility of something happening to him because Wolf, a uh, very good player last year. And unfortunately they've, they've lost him. They haven't got any snaps out of him this year. If they did, maybe it was in, in week one. I've got, kind of forgotten at this point, whether he actually played, but he's now they've, they've announced he's not coming back the rest of the year. He's on IR. Um, and, uh, uh, the other Brandon Williams has had a shoulder injury. Now the Ravens have a long history of never playing the run well when Brandon Williams is out. So you, you stack up the games that he hasn't played and you get a very bad rushing result against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so he's been out and, and uh, uh, Ellis, Justin Ellis has been taking his place and he's actually played pretty well, which is, which is fortunate indeed, but uh, it'll be a real challenge for him against his Browns interior offensive line and all the quality they bring uh, for him to hold the point of attack the way he has the last couple of weeks. That's an interesting note because with the way Baker's playing, the Browns have to run the football. I don't know if Kareem Hunt will be back. There seems to be some strong signs that he can make his way back this week and actually play in this game, but he is coming back from a calf issue. So you never quite know how ready a guy is or how effective he will be if he actually does get out there on the mm-hmm. field because those are so touchy. Um, before we close, I have to ask you this question, more on the more on the funny, humorous side than anything else. You know, I just need to know what it's like to know when your kicker gets on the field. He's probably, I mean, like, what is that like? Is it, is it the most peaceful feeling you could possibly have? I just want to know. I, we haven't had it since Phil Dawson and even Phil yeah. Dawson wasn't even in the realm of what, of what Justin Tucker is and the kick. I mean, like the, the, the Detroit kick, is it mm-hmm. like, did you expect that to go through or was no. it correlation? <laughs> I just yeah. need to know. Give me your Justin Tucker like two minute rant before we close. I need to know. Okay, so he, he's been terrific. He's he's obviously he's he's critical to any sort of thing. He changes the the dynamic of how you have to play defense and your offensive choices when you have the football late in the game and and, the, and it's within three points. So you're always you're always considering that. Uh, but you know he's he's not Superman in the sense that I really expected him to make that 66 yard kick. It was a perfect confluence of circumstances basically everything you can have positive on a kick except for playing in denver was present on that kick. <laughs> denver is the biggest thing it's the it's the ultimate factor in a lot of ways yeah. but but they you know it was an indoor kick it was it was uh you know perfect 72 degree conditions uh the lions were completely backed off in terms of not really trying to block it so so all those things were were, were positive so anyway the, the the kick went off and uh and i the bounce was unbelievable but unbelievable it's one of these iconic things that the NFL has with high def has this great view through the uprights where not only can you see the kick and what's happening to it, you can't, can't get depth perception on that, but what you can get is individual jerseys are very identifiable and the, <laughs> and the, the absolutely beautiful, you know, reactions to that kick. So anyway, that's two minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, he's from the outside looking in. It's just one of the, 
It's like having a feature in a car that nobody else has, you know, like with the first cars with heated seats or something. He's just such a luxury. And it's really ludicrous. mode. It's, it's we are super jealous as we watch from afar because that guy's so fun. I will say, too. Yeah, your point about the depth of kicks and like when they hit the cross, it's gotten even the announcers lately. I This year I've seen it's more than ever. I've seen announcers think a kick has gone through when it's landed three yards short. It's just the funniest thing to watch people struggle with that. I, I it's you know, even dating back. I think there was the Cleveland Baltimore game where, where Phil Dawson yeah. hit the, what is it? The stanchion there in between. Yeah, you had to and, bring this up again. Yeah. It was the, <laughs> the, the, the support in the back yeah. behind the crossbar. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. This is great, Ken. I, I know that the listeners of this pod truly appreciate your insight, which is unparalleled in your market and gets people prepared and, and we're excited. You know, it's been a weird season for Cleveland and I'll talk on your pod tomorrow, but uh, you know, pretty excited about this game because it's got huge implications for both sides. You know, these two games, it's going to be weird because I know you guys visit, do you visit Pittsburgh or do you does Pittsburgh come to Baltimore in between these two Browns games? Uh, now I have to look that up here. <laughs> That's uh, okay. The answer is yes. On that. Yes. yes. It's one of those one two. Of the two. Yes. One of the two. Uh, so no, it's, if they go, they go to, they're at home against the, no, they, 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 or at the Steelers, yes. At okay, the so they go at. Interesting stuff. Well, Ken, thanks again so, so much. And uh, like I said, we might be talking to you in a couple of weeks. We'll see what shakes out. But I know everybody appreciates your time tonight. All right. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving with you and your family. I cannot, I mean, it's my favorite holiday. Love the food. Love the get-together with family. The focus on that. Turkey, stuffing, Thanksgiving everything man mashed potatoes macaroni and cheese you know even the green bean casserole believe it or not uh i'm all about all of it don't skip any of it enjoy your time with your family in all seriousness i'm very thankful for you guys as listeners thankfully for your support and for everything you do for this podcast and the obr appreciate you guys very 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 much again enjoy your thanksgiving with your family Uh, we don't get enough time like this so stay safe Uh, Hug the ones you love, send thanks, send anything you can to those who don't get the opportunity to see their family, and just enjoy each other. Thanks again so much, guys. We'll catch up on Friday with John Colosimo. Until then, have a great Thanksgiving, and go Browns.